Hey, here's what we're going to do this morning. So just so you know, so we're um, going to start in James 2. We're going to start chapter 2. It's mostly an introduction this morning, right? Just to kind of get the map of the territory. And, um, and then we're going to go into communion. And then after communion, we're going to have some video testimonies. And then we'll have a baptism this morning, right? So uh, just celebrating some of the things that the Lord's doing. It should be a, a great morning together. So um, take your Bibles. If you've got them, turn to James chapter 1. And uh, it actually starts with what we would call a command or a prohibition. And that is uh, the first sentence. It reads like this. It says, my brothers, show no partiality. If you have the NIV version, it would say, don't show favoritism, right? Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And this phrase, um, uh, don't show partiality, um, or as I said in the NIV, favoritism, uh, the expositor's commentary points out that uh, the way it's actually worded in the Greek, it's said as if it was already happening. In other words, this is not proactive. Hey, this is something that might happen. Stay away from that. This is something that's already happened. It's kind of more of the sense, don't do this or don't do that, right? Stop with it. So, uh, so in other words, stop playing favorites. Stop showing partiality would be more the effect or tone of it that we're looking. So we're going to look at this um, all-too-human condition this morning and just kind of how it plays together. Uh, but, and then we'll come to communion. But let's pray before we do, all right? Father, thank you this morning. We know the senior high is on advance and the retreat's wrapping up and we are hopeful that uh, you have broken out up there and that uh, uh, you've impacted some of the senior high and that, uh, Lord, they'll come back with stories and testimonies of uh, how you've talked to them. And so we're eager for that. We're eager for you to talk to us here as well. Uh, this is one of the areas, Lord, that it, it's, the, um, it's the okay sin. It, it's one of those sins that really isn't, we don't think in our minds, that big of a deal. And uh, we're, we're going to take a look at that this morning. So would you help illuminate it for what it really is? And we, we seek you for that and give that to you in your name. Amen. All right. All right, so the issue of partiality or favoritism and the warnings against it are, so they're not unique or exclusive to James. In other words, James just didn't pull this out of a hat. Like, hey, I don't have anything else to talk to and chapter two is coming up, so you know, I'll, I'll come up with this idea of partiality. This is something that already way back in the early church was already impacting the relationships around them, right? And so James is getting on it quickly and uh, being proactive. And you'll find that um, this issue of partiality shows up very early uh, in the church. It's not just something the church struggled with, but something Israel struggled with. So let's take a look. If you've got your... Bible or uh, your phone or whatever you use. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 16. And let's look at, three, we're going to look at three categories this morning. Uh, partiality in regards to justice. Partiality in regards to um, commerce. And then partiality uh, in terms of relationships and how they work. So let's use this as a foundation piece here. So Deuteronomy 16, 18 through 20 reads like this. You shall appoint judges and officers in all your towns that the Lord your God is giving you, according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You shall not pervert justice. Um, 
A word that we would understand better is twist, right? You shall not twist justice. You shall not show partiality, and you shall not accept the bribe. For the bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. Justice and only justice you shall follow, that you may live and inherit the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. And so here's what God is saying. When you have a courtroom and people come in the courtroom, it doesn't matter if the person is a street person. It doesn't matter if that person is a hot sports personality. It doesn't matter if that person is a person that's rich and got a lot of clout in the community. You're to treat all of those the same way. And in particular, he adds the issue of don't take a bribe. Okay? And we'll look at uh, the rich man a little later in James, but who can bribe? Can, can street people Can orphans, can widows bribe? No. Who bribes? Powerful people, right? Powerful people bribe. I I remember one time uh, uh, a guy came from another church and wanted me, he was uh, an elder and he wanted me to do his wedding. And I I thought it was kind of weird that he came to me and why not Pastor Jan? But he came to me and as we're talking, I found out that they were actually sleeping together. And so I said, well, I can't, I can't do your ceremony because you're not uh, being true to God's word. And he got really upset. Don't you know who I am? And don't you know? And this little piddle stop, you know, pit stop of a church kind of thing where I come from, it's enormous and all that kind of stuff. And, and, he, uh, and he had a check with a sizable chunk of change back in that day, right? And he said, this was supposed to be, and he made sure I saw it, right? And he tore it up. And I said, well, keep your money then. I, I really don't want it. <laughs> okay, what's, the, what's that issue there? What's that issue there is trying to gain advantage over bribing. Right? Now, are humans prone to doing that? Do we leverage? Right? Now, if we don't have money, we'll leverage whatever we can. Right? But the, the fine art of leverage, if you're in the business world, if you are in sales, if you are uh, in education, uh, the art of leverage is become, uh, you can't get away from it anymore, right? We used to joke about Madison Avenue. Well, now it's every avenue, right, in terms of leverage. So God is concerned in the legal system, in the nation, what he was trying to set it up for, what's he after, is health. Look, one of the things that makes a nation healthy is a unperverted judicial system. Right? So now if you took the temperature of our country right now, where would that put us? Right? In other words, what God's saying is one of the things that makes a country healthy is a healthy judicial system where guys don't take bribes. They're not twisting or perverting. They're playing it straight up according to what the law says. All right, so that's what justice. Uh, you find this later in Second Chronicles also. Uh, Jehoshaphat, one of the great kings. I, I would I, I'd like to meet Jehoshaphat in heaven. He was one of the great kings of Israel and uh, he was doing some great stuff. And it says that Jehoshaphat uh, lived in Jerusalem and that he went out again among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim. It means he went from north to south. We don't know what that means most of the time, but Beersheba's way down south and Ephraim's up in the north. So from north to south, he covered the whole country. And he said he brought them back to the Lord, the God of their fathers. This was his job as king was to bring them back. And so this is what he did. He went throughout the land, bringing them back. And how did he do it? It says he appointed judges in the land and all the fortified cities of Judah, city by city, 
and said to the judges, Consider what you do. For you judge not for man, but for the Lord. He is with you in giving judgment. Now then, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. And be careful what you do, for there is no injustice with the Lord our God, or partiality, or taking bribes. What is Jehoshaphat pointing out that we forget? God's not crooked. Okay? God's not crooked. He's straight in his character, and he judges without partiality. Right? That's really good news and really bad news all at the same time. It's good news if you come to him for salvation because he will respond and accept. It's bad news if you think you can somehow twist the circumstances so that God will give you favor and kind of wink at what you're doing. You know, yeah, you've got a little sin going, but it's a little sin. and You know who I am, Lord, right? So we're, we're all good, right? Posse up. No, not so much. Okay? You ever gone to court? You ever been? I, I've been on jury duties a number of times, and one time the judge called me up. Uh, I was sitting out in the, uh, in the group of, what do you call those, the, all the people? And uh, there's a name for it. But anyways, I'm sitting in this whole group of people, and the judge walks in the court and says, is there a Mr. Steve Mitchells in a room? And I, ah! Like, hey, I'm not here on trial. I'm in the jury. Hello. you know. And uh, he makes me stand up, and, I, and he goes, are you Steve Mitchells? I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, are you a pastor in a church? I said, yes, sir, I am. I'm thinking, where's this going? Like, he goes, thank you very much. You may, you may sit down. I was like, come down, find out later. The judge was a believer, and he just wanted people to know there were other believers in the thing. I went, that was pretty amazing. But, but the point behind that is this. God is not perverted in his judgment. Notice what he says there. Be careful what you do, for there is no injustice with the Lord our God, or partiality or taking bribes. In other words, God can't be bought off. We have to come to him on his terms, not our terms. And uh, we don't always get that right either. Okay? So now let's move on quickly here because we, we've got a full morning yet. Uh, let's look at this. We've looked at it in regards to justice. Now let's look in regards to commerce. Again, Deuteronomy, this time chapter 25, verses 13 to 16, it says, You shall not have in your bag two kinds of weights, a large and a small. You shall not have in your house two kinds of measures, a large and a small. A full and fair weight you shall have, a full and fair measure you shall have, that your days may be long, be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. For all who do such things, who act dishonestly, are an abomination to, the, to God. So God is looking for a, a, a fair, unbiased, untwisted judicial system. God is also looking for a fair, unbiased, unperverted commercial system. What's he saying? Have honest weights. Don't have two sets of weights so that when one type of person comes in your shop, you charge them this, and when another person comes in your shop, you charge them that. And... Uh, we're famous for doing that. Peter was just sharing at the men's breakfast on Saturday uh, how in Ethiopia, the shopkeeper told the guy who was the translator, hey, just tell him it's this price and then I'll give you a cut off of it too. Right? It's called the fine art of working a deal. Right? Is there a twist in our commercial system in America right now? Any, any injustice in our commercial system at all? And what God's saying is make it straight up. 
If it costs this, charge that. Make it the same. Don't have two different ways. Or uh, even from the commercial system, he's talking about, notice here, it's not just commercial, but it kicks into the relational side. Why? It says, you shall not have in your house two kinds of measures, a large and a small. So if someone comes over and begs you for a cup of sugar, or a cup of flour, and you don't really like them, you've got a little cup. Oh yeah, here, I'll share. Right? And if somebody comes over, you were like, you have a big cup. Aha, you're my friend, right? Kind of thing. That's saying, no, respond the same as you can with everybody. And so God wants righteousness in commerce. And those of us who are in business uh, know what a battle that is, right? It's not easy to do, but God is looking for that. So then let's look in regards, so we have in terms of justice, then we have in, tar, in terms of um, commerce, now let's look in regards to social justice or social status. Deuteronomy 24, you shall not pervert the justice due the sojourner or the fatherless or take a widow's garment and pledge, but you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there and therefore I command you to do this. What's God saying? God's saying, hey, it's kind of easy to get entitled. It's kind of, right? It's kind of easy to get um, haughty and think we're really hot stuff. And so when some other people come in that we don't really think too much of, we're going to not treat them right. And particular people that um, weren't treated right in that culture were sojourners, those who saw the God of Israel and wanted to be a part of it. Um, And then... uh, Orphans and widows, right? Had no power. And God says, treat them fair. Treat them right. Treat, this creates health in the culture. This creates health in the country. This creates health. Take care of those who are at a disadvantage. Why? Because God says this. Remember at one time too, you were disadvantaged. How does he say to Israel? Remember, you were where? You were in Egypt. You were slaves. You had nothing. You were, you were wiped out. So remember what I've done in terms of being kind with you. And because I've been kind with you, therefore now be kind with others. It is so easy, Jesus told several parables about it, to have God treat us kind and then us be mean to others. Right? And God argues for this uh, in terms of uh, social status. James then clicks into this. If you go to James chapter 2, we'll take a look at just the picture this morning, and then uh, we'll come back to it. My brother, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. In other words, Jesus is the anchor. He's the true north. He's the measure of it. If you're asking, how should I ask? You look to Jesus. How would Jesus have done it? And that's mocked today, right? And there's t- But the truth is, what would Jesus do is a very solid psychological approach to the situations we face every day, day in and day out. It says for, and James says this, for, here's the illustration, if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, hey, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, stand over there or sit down at my feet, Have you not then made a distinction among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? I know of of one pastor who 
uh, was preaching on this passage, so he actually went uh, and went to an actual makeup artist, and they made him into a street person. Okay, uh, and and so he came in on Sunday morning, and he had baggy old clothes, and he they stunk, right? And and he had shaggy, hair, and I mean nobody knew who he was. He stooped over, and he came in and just is there anything for me to eat or and you know people went away and they didn't know what to do with him long story short then that shaggy old man gets up on stage and starts preaching stands up straight and they realize oh my gosh that was the pastor right boom just blew it up okay i I would have done that but you would have known it was me because of my voice so i can't get away with it right so i thought that was really fun though what's what's james saying here why would we treat a, a a rich person different than a poor person simply this a rich person might have something to offer us a poor person doesn't right a rich person enhances our status so uh you know i don't know if you've been to churches i've i've been in a couple where uh different sports personalities are part of it that enhances the we're the church that so-and-so goes to right um and you very seldom get the banner out front, hey, we're the church that street people come to. Right? And, and God's saying, okay, when you start doing that, you start parsing out and start playing favorites, and then the whole thing starts to twist. And so he's arguing for, um, you know, not having the twist. Now, look, look, I want to show you, just go, we're going to jump to the Corinthian church, right? We're in the Jerusalem church, but I want to just jump ahead to the Corinthian church and show you that this uh, problem showed up right away. It didn't go away. This is the instructions for communion in 1 Corinthians 11. You guys are familiar with this. And Paul says this, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Right? They're getting a spanking, right? That's what's going on here says, because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. What's he talking about? We're playing king of the hill, right? We're playing who's the hot shot on the hill, who's worst status. We're henpecking uh, the order in uh, the church struggled with that, and so they were having great divisions. This is only a couple years after James writes in James 2 about partiality. In other words, the church was riddled with it. They had a huge problem with it. So, um, okay, so we're going to pause here and come back to this. What does James say? My brothers, show no partiality, or don't show favoritism as you hold the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of glory. Keep Jesus in the picture. I'm going to ask the guys to come forward right now and, and serve. So here's the good news. Here's the great news. That was written 2,000 years ago. And that was their problem then. We don't have that problem anymore. It's all been covered and good. So we're, we're, we're great, right? Yeah, no. Is, is partiality and favoritism something that is part of the fabric of us? Yeah, it still is. Right? And so what God says by His Spirit is we have to keep it straight. Here's a, here's a great way to do that. Um, ask yourself when you walk into church, do you greet only the people that you know and like? Do you ever go over and say hi to somebody um, who you haven't met? 
And you'd say no. And I go, well, why not? Well, because it's uncomfortable. I don't know them. And, and... But some of it might be, I'm not just sure they're a good fit for me. But here's the point. It's not so much are they a good fit for you, it's whether they're a good fit for Jesus. And if they're a good fit for Jesus, then they're a good fit for us. That's the part we have to get through in our head, is that it's really easy for this kind of stratification to happen in a church body. Oh, they're the spiritual giants. Oh, they're the in-group. Well, they... You ever heard that? They, I don't know who the they is, but they control the church. They run the church. They are uh, church royalty. The only royalty that I know of that exists in the church is Jesus. Last I checked, He was the Lord of glory. It wasn't us. And so much of our insecurity is fueled by trying to make us look better than what we really are. Amen? Amen, right? And James just comes back to something real practical. He says, hey, where's your source? Is the source coming from the Lord? And is your, is your self-esteem coming from there? Are you anchored there? Or is it fear-driven, anxiety-driven, pride-driven about I have to be equal? There's a, a commercial on uh, 710 Uh, on the sports station right now, and they're talking about painting your house, and the reason you should paint your house is because it would make your neighbors jealous. I was driving, I'm like, what? Of course, I'm studying, right? And I shut the radio off and go, I'm supposed to paint my house so my neighbors can be jealous? Are you kidding me? I mean, we need to paint my house so that it doesn't fall down, but not so the neighbors aren't jealous. What kind of insanity is that? But that's how it's so seeped into our culture, it's, it's part of the fabric. And this morning for communion, I just want us to recognize that. Right? Let's just recognize that. And just let's recognize that Jesus died to break that. Right? We have matzah bread. That we came back to that because we did this on Good Friday and it was such a moving thing. But matzah is striped. Jesus was whipped. And then it's also pierced. And he was pierced for our sin. Jesus said, and the very passage Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 11, right? Okay, let's get this straight. Who's the royalty? Jesus is the royalty. Who died for us? Jesus died for us. Who's something? Jesus is something. He'll take care of the rest. He'll take care of you. You don't have to try and leverage it. That's what James is saying. Jesus says, eat this in memory of me. Then he took the cup. You know, we think, man, it'd be great to know famous people and then I'd really be something. And that. Uh, Did any of those famous people shed blood for you? Do you think any of them would? Do you think any of them would even take the time of day to say, how do you? Right? No. But Jesus will. Greatest person in the universe is willing to have communion with you. That's a pretty good person to hang out with. That's a great argument for a quiet time. Spend time with the King of the universe. Jesus says, drink this in memory of me.